I have had bariatric surgery. I had a gastric sleeve. And I would like people to know that it is not like the commercials. Um, I don't think that you go into surgery and then like a week or two later, you're holding up the big fat pants and, <laughs> you know, going, I had bariatric surgery and look at me today. Uh, these are my fat pants and now I'm skinny. Um, that is not what happens. Um, for me, I knew that I was never going to be like a skinny fashion model. I'm too old. I'm not never going to be that person. But I thought that it was one more tool in that um, toolkit that was going to help me get healthier. This is Fat Science, a podcast dedicated to the science of why we get fat. No diets, no agendas, just science that makes you feel better. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional medical advice. I'm Dr. Emily Cooper. I've been treating patients with metabolic issues for over 25 years. I'm on a mission to raise awareness about metabolic dysfunction and why diets don't work. Hi, I'm Andrea Taylor. I've been fat, very fat, chubby, morbidly obese, and done almost every diet ever invented. They all worked until they didn't. I've known Dr. Cooper forever, but when I became her patient and we learned metabolism was the real problem, wow, everything changed, and I've never been healthier. And I'm Mark Wright. It's time for Fat Science. Wait, does this podcast make me look fat? Welcome to Fat Science. I'm Mark Wright, along with Andrea Taylor and Dr. Emily Cooper. It's so good to see you, too. Hello, hello. All right, this is a topic near and dear to Andrea's heart. We're talking about bariatric surgery today. This is kind of a controversial thing, isn't it, Dr. Cooper? Because any surgical fix to you know obesity seems to have a, a bit of a stigma attached to it. But let's kind of set the, the playing field for everybody. What exactly is bariatric surgery? It's so true. There is uh, often a stigma attached, which doesn't really make sense because it's a medical procedure, just like you know any medical procedure. Um, but bariatric surgery started out many years ago in the 1950s as a way of triggering weight loss, basically, get you know, a way of treating obesity. And at that time, scientists and medical professionals thought that the clue, the key to it would be to divert the fuel, the incoming food away from the small intestine where we absorb all of our nutrients. And so these surgeries were called malabsorptive because they blocked the absorption of nutrients from our intestine. And they got to be pretty radical surgeries where they blocked a large percent of the intestine. And over a period of time, they saw kind of high complication rates and they started to change the procedure to include a process of shrinking the size of the stomach and uh, blocking the intestine, a combination, which would be the gastric bypass. If you've heard of that, it's very popular um, even today. And the gastric bypass is also called the RUNY gastric bypass, R-Y-G-B. And that uh, consists of a procedure of shrinking the size of the stomach as well as diverting away from the small intestine, the food, the incoming food. And so it combines malabsorptive uh, processes with what's called restrictive, restricting the size of the stomach. And so that was kind of a newer way of treating this. And then over time, 
they started to realize that just the restrictive portion without diverting the food away from the small intestine without the malabsorptive part was also very effective and with less complications and less long-term complications. And so that would be referred to as the really popular procedure today, which is the VSG, vertical sleeve gastrectomy. And um, that is the procedure Andrea was talking about that she had. And that is today the most popular procedure. And there, there are others now where it's advancing even further. So Dr. Cooper, when you have those things put around the stomach, what, what's the effect of that? I get, I get the bypass of the small intestine where all those nutrients are absorbed, but what happens when you restrict the stomach? Well, and at first, everyone thought that the way that these surgeries would work is to make people eat less food. That's what they thought. They thought, well, they're, they can't stay on a diet, so let's do this procedure to either prevent them from absorbing the nutrients or prevent them from eating as much food by restricting the size of the stomach. But then they discovered that the changes, the beneficial changes of the surgery occur within like 48 hours after the surgery. So the, the beneficial hormonal changes that are, wow. that are happening start within like four days of surgery being pretty dramatic. And so they realize that it isn't about eating less is not really where the benefit is. And so now they're trying to change the name of these surgeries from bariatric surgery to metabolic surgery. So the, the way we describe them now should really be more metabolic surgery. And so in particular, the VSG procedure it does shrink the size of the stomach by removing the lower portion of the stomach. So you take, you know, they, they literally go in there laparoscopically and remove that lower part of the stomach. But the lower part of the stomach is also where the ghrelin is manufactured. Like 85% of our body's ghrelin is produced there. And as you know, from previous episodes, the ghrelin is the, you know, kind of gremlin. <laughs> a lot of our patients call it the gremlin, but it is the um, hunger hormone that really blocks satiety. And it also kind of jacks up your cortisol levels and it slows your metabolism down. And so part of the surgery, that's not the whole way it works, but part of it is that it removes the ghrelin producing area. So it gets that out of the way. And it also, by shrinking the size of the stomach, it accentuates what are called the stretch receptors. And those stretch receptors help activate our body's natural beneficial gut hormones that we're talking about that you also get from some of these new pharmacology medications, GIP, GLP-1, you know, you've heard of in some of these new medications, like they're not actually that new, but, but they're the newly popularized uh, medications such as Saxenda, Wegovy, Ozempic, Monjaro, you know, the body's natural hormones can be accentuated also through the shrinking of the size of the stomach and accentuating those stretch receptors. I had no idea that this surgery actually changed the hormones yeah. and those, the bad hormones are the ones that say, ah, oh, we're freaking out. We're hungry. Mm -hmm. We're, uh, and then the other ones that say we're satiated, that, that is so cool. You explained it so oh, perfectly. <laughs> Andrea, when did you realize that bariatric surgery was something that you should explore? I'd love to hear your story. Um, after a number of years working 
with Dr. Cooper and being on um, medications. I think at that point I was on Victoza, um, and I sort of had plateau. I guess plateaued at a certain point. We thought, okay, and we had talked about it for a number of years. Um, and I was like, well, let's see, let's see. And we're like, you know, I think it's time. I, I actually was the one who said, I think it's time. And so I started figuring out where I could do the surgery, how my insurance would pay for it, um, which you do have to go through a lot. Of, I will tell you, you do have to go through some hoops to get your ins insurance to pay for it. It is not the easiest. It's not like bing, bang, boom, insurance pays for it. You have to have proof of why you need it. And then there are different steps you have to go through even after your insurance says, okay, um, you have to go through a psychiatric, I had to go through a psychiatric um, evaluation, which was actually kind of ridiculous. It was like one thing where they said, do you think this will be a miracle? Um, and I said, no. <laughs> and that was kind of the end of the psychiatric evaluation. I mean, there were a couple of more things you too, passed. but it really was like, you know, it was basically like, do you, do you think you, I said, no, I will not be a fashion model. And that was kind of the end of that. And then, but I did have to go through six months. I think it was six months almost of nutritional counseling where they had to prove that the diet, like a diet was going to work or something. And the nutritional counseling, as Dr. Cooper knows, because I would report back, was really BS. I, I mean, the nutritionist was like all the nutritionists I've ever been to. Oh, here's the diet that you should go on and you should eat this plastic cheese and you should eat this low calorie, this and this. I mean, she was very nice. And then they would report back my weight every week. And I, I mean, it was, I, I mostly asked her about her family in Long Island <laughs> and like, because it was just so dumb. I mean, it was really not productive. Yeah. And I mean, I was still doing my other things that I always did before. And the weight really wasn't coming off um, because it just wasn't going to come off anyway. So what exactly was the surgery? And what, what So happened? the surgery was a gastric sleeve. I have to say it was the easiest thing ever. I have not had a lot of surgeries, so I don't know what to compare it to really. But everyone, I did it at USC here in Los Angeles. My surgeon was very nice, not very well informed about metabolism, I will say, but he was super nice. And everyone at USC who was involved in that, um, in that area, because they basically all they did was a lot of... Um, gastric sleeve surgeries, I guess, in that area, could not have been nicer. They couldn't have been better people. Um, and when they went in for the surgery, they also found a big hiatal hernia that they fixed. So I don't have acid reflux anymore. I don't take any acid reflux medicine. Wow. Um, and as a result, we did think that I could lessen a lot of my medications, which because I have like a lot of other issues. I am back on all my medications, but it was the greatest thing I've ever done. The recovery was super simple. It was like a week of sort of not running around a lot and then um, sort of 
liquidy type of foods for about a month to sort of get my stomach back into shape. You sort of eat mushy stuff Mm -hmm. for about a month, I think it was. And then back to eating regular food. You slowly go back onto eating regular food. And I would say that because I have a smaller stomach, I do eat obviously less food than I ate before probably. Um, And then in combination with, I take um, Manjaro now, not Magumbo as I used to call it, but um, I take that. So I eat lots of little meals all day long. And my, my brain doesn't think of food all the time, although I have a very powerful food brain, so I do think of food a lot. But I want to eat a lot of things, but I only eat little bits of food all the time. And at first, I would say my stomach could only handle about four ounces of food at a time. Now it's probably about six, maybe six to seven ounces per meal-ish. And what people don't think about is you don't drink, like a lot of people drink water or whatever when they eat, that counts in the food that you eat. So you don't, like when I eat food, I don't usually drink at the same time because that counts as in the quantity. Hmm. And so that you just get used to. So Andrea, compare what eating felt like before you had the surgery to once you fully recovered. What, what was that process? What did it feel like? Um, during the recovery time, you know, it was weird because I kind of ate pudding and soup. But No, but after... I mean just the experience of, of eating. Like the experience of eating. When you ate before, did you feel full? And then, you know, I've, just... You know, I had been on Victoza for a while, so mm-hmm. I felt full, like instantly when I was on that drug. Now I feel full with a lot less food. Um, and I eat a lot more times a day, but I had already been starting to get used to that. And now it's just with less food and everyone makes fun of me even more because I order, I love food and always will. I grew up in a food loving family, a food loving environment. So I just take home more food because I like to order everything and I just still do. I order everything. I just eat less. Everybody else has to eat more or not. I don't care. And I'm fine with it. I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine with the way everything is. And the weight has come off slower than, of course, I would like, because I would love to be the miracle girl holding up the big fat pants. <laughs> but <laughs> the good thing is, unlike when I've done 800 million, you know, whatever million diets, the weight has stayed off. And I don't find it hard. Whereas before it was always, I felt like it was a war and it was a battle and it was a long-term thing and it was agony. Now it's just life. It's not a big deal. I don't feel, I don't feel defeated. I don't feel like something is working against me. I feel just like I can go through life. There's nothing weighing on my shoulders. There's not this big thing weighing on me. I just do what I want to do. Yeah. 
Dr. Cooper, I'm sure more than a few people listening are thinking, hmm, maybe I should consider bariatric surgery. How does someone know that this might be uh, an option to pursue? Well, I think there are certain criteria. So the pharmacology approach um, with, you know, not dieting, fueling your body well, getting enough sleep, doing all the lifestyle strategies that we talked about to keep your metabolism healthy as a foundation are important. But then looking at the pharmacology and what would make sense based on your metabolic system. And Andrea mentioned one medicine that she was on, but there were others too that were addressing other aspects of the metabolic dysfunction as well. And so you want to make sure that it's very unlikely that there's a single medicine that's going to correct like all the metabolic problems somebody has. Even with today's medications, it's getting closer to being maybe a single medication that could be powerful enough, but I don't think it's quite there yet. But exploring the pharmacology. And then once we have patients on the pharmacology, there's different groups. There's people where they're making steady improvements and things are really looking good on a continuing basis. And we're getting to points where we can start maybe potentially tapering certain medications and everything is looking stable. Of course, that group would not need bariatric surgery. (laughs) And um, then there's another group where you have to have a pretty large cocktail of pharmacology to address all the metabolic dysfunction. And you have to weigh that with the progress that you're making. Is it, is this something sustainable to be on that type of pharmacology over a long period of time that it's taking to kind of get to a point where the metabolism improvements are, are strong enough um, to justify that degree of pharmacology. And it may be that it is fine, but it may be that that person could be considered for this bari- a bariatric procedure, or, or we should call it a metabolic surgery to help kind of boost their metabolic function to a level where their pharmacology need becomes less. And so it could also be that the patient doesn't tolerate pharmacology. So a lot of the medications can have side effects that might be hard to tolerate for certain patients, and they might be better off proceeding, you know, with a metabolic procedure that makes their pharmacology burden a lot less. Um, There's also patients where they're on the verge of uncontrolled diabetes, or they're dealing with significant fatty liver disease or other other things that put them at really more long-term risk. And you don't have five years to reduce this risk. And so you start looking at, look, because you're in this critical health state, we need all the help we can get as soon as we can. So let's combine the benefits of these metabolic surgeries with the pharmacology. But I think what you need to think about too is any kind of surgery does carry risks. I mean, not just in the immediate Mm -hmm. aftermath of the surgical procedure, but when they look out like eight to 10 years, there is an increase in complications uh, after surgery. And so nothing necessarily horrible, but it's just that you have to consider these things. And so what we really want to do nowadays is look at our newer pharmacology that's coming on the market some that's there now, some that's in trials that will be coming out over the next year or two, 
that literally can mimic the benefits of the metabolic surgery that can come very close. And so you kind of want to take these patients and see, have you given them enough chance with the pharmacology avoiding a more invasive procedure? So it's not something we jump to. Of course, not everyone's going to have these metabolic surgeries. It, it should be people that really need it. And as Andrea said, she was right. in a bind, she was in a situation where we had made a lot of progress, but we're kind of at a standstill and we really wanted to make further progress. Otherwise, we weren't going to be able to get to a point where we could reduce the pharmacology load that she was on. Hmm. And so this right. was like taking a huge dose of medication <laughs> and throw that in the mix in order to see how that helped alleviate some of the other dependency on, on medication. Right. I mean, and I'm still working yeah, on it. It's sure. not like, oh, this was the total no. answer. We're done. Bing, bang, boom. Everything's perfect. No, it's a, it's still what they call a process. You're not a Kardashian yet. <laughs> no, nor do I want to be. <laughs> I'm kidding. But... <laughs> I'm kidding. I was just Although, using Although I wouldn't mind line. their money. <laughs> I wouldn't mind the money. That would but... be nice. I think that's a misunderstanding about bariatric surgery or metabolic surgery is that it's immediate results, as Andrea said, and it's one and done. But when you're talking about a person who has metabolic dysfunction that caused obesity or diabetes or other disease risks that are combined with that metabolic syndrome, to having a, a metabolic procedure such as the VSG, which is also called the gastric sleeve um, or the gastric bypass, that is not, that doesn't completely reverse the underlying problems. It is great in the short term and even in the long term. I mean, the data on these, these surgeries is, is very robust. We've been studying this for so many years and we have excellent data to show the benefits over time. Um, but the primary weight loss period is within the first year and a half and then the weight normally plateaus and starts to climb back up. Most people do not regain all the weight they lost, but some people do regain all the weight they lost. And some people end up higher than their starting weight. It's not common, but it can happen. And I've met patients that happened to, and it's pretty sad <laughs> for them. Um, wow. But I think yeah. people are not counseled prior to surgery to explain that this is normal. And so we get a lot of patients in that think, oh my gosh, what's happening? I'm, you know, I've regained this weight. And when we do the calculations, they're actually doing better than what the research shows. So they're surprised to hear that because no one told them that there'll be this initial weight loss over the first year and a half. It will most likely plateau and then start increasing. And so it would, again, just like the counseling before diets, it should be really discussed with patients. But the good news is that we, by combining these surgeries with the pharmacology for the toughest cases that we see, can be just life-changing for people and can be a, a great option. Andrea, how many years ago did you have your surgery? I th think I had it in 2020. Mm -hmm. So it's three years. Yeah. And you're, you're happy. Absolutely happy with so it. So happy. So happy. And my, I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones that my weight has gone. It definitely has gone down. But mm -hmm. I will say 
that the weight has gone down because, I mean, this is sounding like a commercial for Dr. Cooper, but it's gone down because I was working with Dr. Cooper, not because I just did the bariatric surgery and followed the diet plan of the low-fat cheese. Um, it didn't go down because of that. It went down because I followed a program of pharmacology <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, doing it that way. It, I couldn't do it without all of that. I, I couldn't. It wouldn't have mm -hmm. happened because we tried, like in the beginning, you sort of have to be free of all of that to see what's going on. And I, I had, I guess because I had 50 years of damage done, it wasn't going to work. Right. Uh, That's the customary thing is before the surgery, you stop all your medication pretty much. Um, even for people with diabetes, they normally stop most, if not all of their medication. Yeah. And then you kind of wait to see what happens because these metabolic procedures can have such powerful impact that you don't want to be over-medicated. And so we usually check lab work about six weeks after the procedure for the first time. And then again, a couple months later, and a lot of patients don't really need to start adding back any type of pharmacology for at least a year. But sometimes it's different. Sometimes you can see right away that you're going to need some assistance from a medical treatment approach. Dr. Cooper, do you think advances are going to continue to be made when it comes to this type of surgery? Yes, I do. And in fact, there are some current advances where they now have a procedure that's done through an endoscope. So it's it tries to mimic the sleeve, the gastric sleeve, but without surgery. <laughs> so it's a much less invasive procedure where they put the scope down as if they're looking to see if you have ulcers in your stomach, kind of same type of procedure. And they insert some anchors in your stomach and run a stitch through that and basically seam it, you know, create a seam in there internally without cutting anything. And so they shrink the size of the stomach in the same fashion that they would through this laparoscopic surgery. The, the one downside of that is that it's not eliminating the portion of the stomach where the ghrelin is manufactured. So they don't really know um, long-term what happens. The uh, research shows definite benefit from that procedure, but not as powerful as the gastric sleeve. And then again, we don't have a lot of really robust long-term data to know whether, you know, how, how strong that is. And I don't have too many patients who've had that procedure. But there are other things like devices that we don't recommend that are kind of like balloons <laughs> that they put in your stomach. I've heard yeah. of those exploding. Yes, they can explode. Um, and there's there's just all kinds of stuff. And so I think that the VSG gastric sleeve procedure is just so good because it carries very low risk as a surgery and um, low long-term complications. And the improvements in all of those risk factors for cardiovascular disease, fatty liver disease, diabetes. I mean, it's a pretty strong argument, you know, for those, those surgeries, if you're going to have a procedure, but again, we don't necessarily want to do an invasive procedure if we don't need to. 
And so you definitely want to find out more about what is the metabolic problem that's going on? What's the best treatment for it? Do these trials to see if you can reverse some of that dysfunction and enough of it to, to not have to pers- you know, uh, pursue a surgery. Do the doctors that do these surgeries, do they prescribe like a low carb or low calorie diet uh, for, for their patients? It seems sort of counterintuitive. Andrea, what did they tell you? How did oh, they yeah. tell you to eat? Oh, really? It was very, it was low carb, wow. low everything. <laughs> low, 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 low. Um, wow. Really low calorie and not great. And that, Dr. Cooper, that just kind of defeats the purpose, It does. Right? We had to hijack Andrea to take her away from, <laughs> to bring her back to our dietitian. <laughs> Yeah, I I would. It was. I felt like I was a secret spy because I would take all the all the handouts. You got a lot of handouts. A lot of like, um, I got a lot of pamphlets and a lot of handouts, and I would send them to Dr. Cooper's nutritionist. (laughs) I'd go, look what they're telling me now. Look what they're telling me now. And she's like, No, 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 no. No, I know it's uh, it's wow. just yeah. the mentality in the medical field, whether it's surgery or field of medicine, to prescribe diets, to prescribe low carb, to you know prescribe high protein and calorie restriction and exercise on top of it. And, and mm-hmm. again, if you look at my patient base, the number of patients I've had that have come in that have had bariatric surgery and are doing all those things and are gaining weight rapidly. And feeling terrible. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just rampant. So it, there's really, I think that, I don't know why we keep gravitating to this diet uh, strategy when there's really no evidence ever that it ever worked long-term. There's no evidence, none. Yeah. Dr. Cooper, even her nutritionist that I I've worked with who I love and is the only nutritionist actually that I've ever worked with who's prescribed real food. Um, she even changed the brand of protein drink that they prescribed in the thing. They're like, she was like, no, that one is all like fake junk. No, you can't have that. No, don't eat that. It was kind of amazing. Yeah. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation. I've learned so much just about what the bariatric surgery or metabolic surgery actually does to the body. And I guess the the big takeaway, Dr. Cooper, is that this should be considered as as just another tool for some people under some circumstances, right? It really should. And it's actually interesting to consider that we probably shouldn't be using obesity as a requirement for the surgery either. Because there are people that would benefit that don't have obesity because of the strong metabolic benefits of the surgery. So if you had someone with metabolic syndrome that was really strong, but they had a pretty normal weight or close to a normal weight and not in the obesity category, they too could potentially benefit if they have diabetes or cardiovascular risk, fatty liver. So the idea that we're um, limiting these surgeries to people that have obesity is kind of not really the correct thinking, I feel. Same thing with some of the pharmacology that we have. Um, we shouldn't be thinking of it as body weight because body weight is just one symptom. It isn't always hmm. there for everyone. There can be people that 
have significant metabolic disease without high body weight. And so they also should be considered, you know, for the more aggressive treatments. Do insurance companies require obesity before they'll cover? They do. In our country, they yes. do. I've heard yeah. that some parts of Europe, they do um, They do these surgeries for diabetes, uh, patients with diabetes, mm-hmm. regardless of weight. So, But in our country, it is strictly by BMI. Um, the BMI requirements for surgery have come down some. Um, and so that makes it a little bit more accessible. But it is interesting mm-hmm. our thinking about weight and not seeing it as a symptom of metabolic disease and that some people genetically are prone to that, but others are, are not. And they're prone to other metabolic dysfunctions such as fatty liver or diabetes. Or Well, this has been really interesting. Thank you so much, Dr. Emily Cooper, Andrea Taylor. This has been another edition of Fat Science. No diets, no agendas, just science that makes you feel better. I'm Mark Wright. Thanks for listening to Fat Science with Dr. Emily Cooper, a Work P2P production. New episodes drop every Monday. If you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This production is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional medical advice. Join us next week for another episode dedicated to the science of why we get fat. No diets, no agendas, just science that makes you feel better.